This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. They are pretenders among us, people who have mastered their ability to hide their pain, failures, struggles, and inadequacies in life. People who have the ability to mask their imperfections through material wealth and careers. In the last 20 years, social media has exploded and incubated these pretenders to grow in number and attitude. But one day in 2016, one of these pretenders broke away. This is his story. Hi and welcome to the show. My name is Jay and this is the Pretender Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the latest episode of the Pretender Podcast on the AfriPods Network right here in Africa. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast network of your choice. In today's show, I talk to my good friend Pete about his experience living the corporate and Western life to move to Africa. Though the audio is not 100% perfect due to us uh, doing it first time and sitting too comfortably in the lounge, which didn't help our sound quality, we sincerely apologize for that, but I still believe it is worth listening to and hope that you enjoy it as I did. Enjoy. Well, my brother, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for coming through. Uh, 12 hours driving plus plus. Yeah, just about. <laughs> just about Yeah. But you're here and I'm glad we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah. It's first time for everything.
from there, it's just been a, a journey that I, I couldn't describe. I think it's, it's been, people talk about brotherhood as a word, but for me, it's real. It's, it's so real because we couldn't be more different, but we couldn't be even more alike. Like it's just so many things that uh, was, and I I felt so emotional when you had to leave Lusaka um, because it it meant so so much for me because you're going in the right place to the right place. Actually, I'm I'm so at peace with that, but at the same time, I knew we couldn't like have you around and all that, that sort of stuff. But uh, it's been such a journey. We've been entwined in a way, having similar um, similar stories, but so different steps along the way. And we've seen the down and up. Uh, we're still going to see a lot of those, but uh, I think we've been there through the whole period that I, I took my leave. And you've seen me at my lowest. <laughs> you've seen me at the top. So, man, it's just so, great. so did you. Yeah, yeah. And you picked me up. Uh, we were down. So. Right. So it's just great to two-way straight. That's for sure. Right. So I, I mean, I've got great, great things to say about you. Endless things. But I want the listeners to know to know you from from your own words and I mean, tell them a backstory where you're from and. Um, where you are now? Yeah, well, originally from Eastern Europe, and then after after a couple of years in America, and about twelve years in Australia, where I met my wife. She's obviously local African, so we decided to to relocate here and uh, raise raise the family here. I had a 
hard look on, uh, on our situation uh, and our life over there in Australia, which, uh, which to, to uh, average Eastern European or average African would be, I'd say, desirable.
thought that means same. <laughs> in, 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 in moving to to Africa, like like I was on a very nice paycheck. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But I could I could see it over the over the decade, uh, over the over the dozen years that I spent there. That I was convinced that even another pay rise or the pay rise after that is not going to have any significant difference to my to my happiness to to, to put it plain. And and that's where I sort of it takes me back to the thing about you that we we connected on that level is it's just the fact that it was so difficult for me particularly to convince everybody that what I was, or anybody for that matter that what I was doing made sense. I was giving up a life that's quote unquote straightforward. And then for someone to I think you don't remember this, but the first thing you asked me when I told you I'm I am i am living work, I think work was but you're good <laughs> I remember that very well, but you're good understand the specifics at the time but I got the sense that you you understood what that took even though there was still a lot of things that you're gonna go through as well um, but there wasn't any sort of judgment we were culturally different and we we're just getting to know one another but there wasn't that sort of like, like you were speaking from some level and then when you got to get the, the details, and um, slowly, I may add, it, it just kind of, you never pulled me out. Like you understood what was, I was trying to do, and we just were able to kind of feed off, off of that. Because it's really hard to explain to anybody that I'm living something that's good, or so it seems, or something that's better. And what do you know about this data? Well, I don't know much, but I hope I get it right. Or I hope it works out. That makes no sense to anybody. And I think that's something that I, I, I feel resonated from the, from the way through. Because it's very difficult. It's, it's, you can analyze it and try to put a finger on it, but you, you can't really do that. I, I think it comes down to listening to your gut feeling. If it doesn't feel right, there's got to be a bigger reason or bigger, bigger contributing factor why this particular lifestyle is not working for you. So why not try something else? At the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, you can always go back. Mm. But from our understanding, Especially me, I pretty much did the burn the boats on arrival approach. So for me, my mind was made up, and, and I, 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 I need to give a shout out to my wife. She's uh, she's the, she, she made all this happen and possible in, uh, in in Africa. Without her and without her strength, we wouldn't have made it. Here. This is not a this is not an environment where you can come and start experimenting <laughs> because Africa will 
chew you up and spit you out yeah. in a heartbeat. So, so without my wife, none of this would be possible. You, you know her really well, and she's, she's, she's. Uh, to put it, uh, even to say she's amazing, it's, it's understatement. Right. Obviously, uh, she, 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 she thinks I, I never say these things about her. No, <laughs> so, so she made, she, she, she made sure when I was leaving this morning to remind me to say nice things about her on the podcast. So, well, so you, get, you have something to go back to. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the doors will be open hopefully. No, but on the serious note, yeah. no, she's she's uh, she made it all happen. It 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 took a while for her to 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 fully get on board with uh, with uh, with the Africa move. Um, it probably took four and a half five years for her to really give up on the idea of, of going somewhere else, perhaps going to Australia Australia again. Mm-hmm. Well, she mentioned Canada several times and whatnot. But 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 now I'm I'm fairly certain she's uh, she's fully yeah. the things are starting to work out. As you as you well aware we had a we had a tough stretch for almost two years where where we had to take an insurance company to to, to court, which really really dragged dragged us down, and, uh, and also thanks to you, I don't I don't think I don't know maybe we would have made it. I say I don't think we would have made it, but it was extremely rough. So I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you for being there for us for me. And uh, I'm sure even even for you, it wouldn't have been easy to 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 see what we were experiencing yeah. because you were also going through your own struggle yeah. at, the, at the same time. Yeah. So um, to to support me through through the time, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I would do that any day. Um, and I I I, I want to go back to the part about your your wife and the importance of, of the support that um, you get from within, you know. When, when we talk about having someone in your corner and just, you know, as a, as a man, you're a vision carrier, you're the one who's at the front and leading, and, and yet the strength, that inner strength, the, when you've reached the low points, like I've gotten to the point where like I'm done, I'm done, I can go on. There's some strength, inner strength that you couldn't explain that and and it's difficult without going into too much detail, obviously, but the support that you get from your spouse in this journey is it's absolutely such, paramount. It's paramount and it's understated because you're almost like at the front of everything, you're, but man, the, it's, it's just something that I couldn't explain. In this journey, I, I feel like if I was on my own, I probably would have stepped back at some point because then I'm like, why the hell would I want to go through this 
we had this stretch when the only thing that could like lift us up was uh, our bodies. And uh, and we, we always called it daddy daycare and you know uh, and during that time like our focus was okay things are not going on right but at least if there's a little thing we're going to get right it's just being there for for the boys and then being a father being present because they're going to remember that they may not remember the paycheck or that sort of thing but we're set in stone that like we're gonna give them the best um, the best during the day and then the rest of the night would be stressing about everything else, yeah. everything that wasn't going right. And and to your point, it's and people think this is just especially for Africans, they think this is just an African culture where a man is a great winner. It's a it's everywhere, it's the world over I mean we don't wanna go into how that's changing but and it matters. And it matters because you are a leader, you are leading your family, and you are leading your for, uh, providing, providing security, providing shelter, providing a meal. And when that's not um, a prominent role and you don't have a formal job that people attribute to a provision and a providing father, a father figure, it just becomes a whole like it goes back to my earlier podcast everyone has something to say about it everyone has an opinion to say then so your wife is taking care of you and both of both you and I have our spouses work and there's all this talk about maybe oh there's probably they're probably making it because the spouse works and or they have a stash or stash and then it always changes to a point where but you can't just sit as a man. You can't just sit. And the reason I'm regurgitating this is because you really have to have the attitude to not care about what people think or say. Um, because actually people who have an opinion and, and don't understand what is, the real story is can, can't really can't really understand that. But personally, you just need to have that, like, you don't care what people think. Otherwise, you will crash and burn quickly. Um, and then the second bit I sort of picked up from my is you can't explain everything to everybody. Um, you can't just, well, this is how exactly we're living, this is how we're making it, and all that sort of thing. Because you need to have that mental fortitude to not care because people are going a man can sit at home and take care of the child. And because being at home and there were kids who were like one, one, one and a half to two years old, means you're doing the whole thing from changing diapers, playing with them, feeding them, and all that sort of thing. And not many men are doing that. When you see the, the reciprocation from the child, the joy in the child, I mean, you couldn't buy it. It's such a priceless thing that at the end of it all it fortifies that I don't care what people say or don't care what people think. Uh, and, and that kept us going for two years. I think, I, I, I think um, as we spoke to your wife earlier, um, and I had a simple answer to, to one of her questions. 
which was, I ran my own race. You can't really fully explain your your motivation and your 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 ego to everyone. And if you if, even if you did, uh, people have their own own uh, issues and struggles to push through. And in other two cases are similar because it comes to your priorities. We prioritized being there mentally and physically for for our kids and we 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 sort of how to put it the we, we cut on the materialistic uh, uh, component which I'm conf- confident and comfortable to say that kids don't really care about it. As long as daddy is there, as long as mommy is there, the kids don't really care what's happening. Uh, as long as the attention is there, almost 24-7, they are happy campers. And up, and up until now, the boys are almost six. Even the concept of work, when, when our wives go to, to work, I often have to explain why it's my going to work. <laughs> so the concept of work, even at the age of six, is still sort of foreign. So it takes a lot of sacrifice and, and, and a lot of convictions, a lot of conviction in your priorities. The, the world we live in, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, look at other other men in 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 a, in a, in a, in, a, in a funny way because they choose to provide in a, in a more of a materialistic way. Okay, it's their choice. It's it's that it's what they believe is the right thing to do. We are probably on an extreme level of providing the, the physical and mental presence. But if we could, if we could, if we could strike a, 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 a nice equilibrium in between, it would be nice to to to, to provide certain things uh, uh, to these kids. Once you strip down to the bare bones and, uh, and uh, economic reality hits you and, you and you also learn to prioritize what to buy, what, what not to buy, you, you, you sort of realize that it's your preconceived notions that you should really have this, you should really have that. You can, you can go without a, lot of, without a lot of those things that you previously thought are essential. I'm not sure if it, if it makes sense, but um, hopefully as we go, we'll, we'll add more uh, pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. It, I certainly resonates because uh, we... And, and, and this is something that I don't like to go into, like how comfortable a space we were in. Personally, I was in and you were in, in terms of living that life. So... 
strip it down for ourselves. I mean, it's uh, rewiring of the mind. Like you're starting over. Starting over. And there's already some knowledge you have about what life could be just by a change of the choice. And then you are where you are. But to your point, when the kids are born into a certain uh, structure or a certain lifestyle, they are taught that lifestyle and they adopt that lifestyle. And um, that's the only reality they know. They know. That's, that's the best way to put it. That's the only reality they know. Um, and sometimes, and, and, and this speaks to some of the, the questions that I've had before where people ask them, you are robbing the child. say this statement comes from the materialistic yes, yes. but in my conviction it's heavily uh, supplemented by the mental and physical presence right for the for the uh, for the kids because the materialistic thing you could you could catch up anytime mm. but once you rob the child of or let me not use the words that people use but once you are not providing the mental and um, um, physical need for the child of a father or a parent, it's not something you can go back and say, okay, we'll catch up. It's gone. It's moments. It's time. That when you spend a moment um, with a child, with your daughter or a son, it's a moment. That moment is a precious moment. If you didn't uh, buy a cool, uh, a cool bike or something that, that you can't afford or whatever, maybe a bad example, but you can always, at one point or the other, you can catch up with that and you never say we lost the moment. You, you manage to regain, get the resources that you're able to provide that sort of thing. But the presence of a parent, the presence of a, a father, you can't buy that with all the money in the world. So it's it's a very cardinal thing, and it it motivated me for a while. It motivated me during the down. And if that's the only thing I could do, I was going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't. This 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 uh, this, this topic might sound like we, we professing that we are experts in uh, raising <laughs> kids. But uh, we, we, in my personal case, uh, I had a I had a very very bad relationship with my father growing up. So so once I decided and made a conscious choice to to, to, to start a family, I didn't want to follow the, the same sort of general generational steps that that you see repeating. Eastern European households. So, so I try to I try to just uh, uh, do the opposite to, to, to put it simply. Right. And uh, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. It's a it's a amazing opportunity to 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 have the privilege to to 
to not break the race. You, you really just are trying not to, not to uh, uh, interfere too much. I'm not interfere too much. I'm just trying to, try to sort of nudge in this direction or sort of navigate or, or, or shepherd the, the child through. And I'm sure you want to touch on the on the on the homeschooling aspect of being yeah. in, the, in, the, in the later <laughs> part of the of the of the interview. Yeah. But uh, it, I'm I'm more of the free free range uh, sort of uh, approach. Yeah. So as long as long as the certain uh, rules are observed, the child has a, has a, has a free range. Right. So. I'd say, I'd say, I dare say that it's working for me. And once again, whether my family or my friends like it, or or, or whoever may be looking at us from uh, from a different angle, we are running our own race. We have these conversations with our partners and. It's a teamwork where, where none of this would be possible if, if we if we weren't on the on the same page at all. That's just the none of it for sure. There's still arguments. There's still uh, disagreements of about certain things. But as 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 as, as long as we prioritize the. The child, which in our household, uh, raising our son is the priority, yeah. and the, re the rest, the rest of the things sort of fall fall into place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at, sort of. Yeah, and it, it, uh, it's great to end on that note, as well on that uh, topic, uh, priorities, because that's that's the most uh, important thing, and also teamwork. Uh, spouses and as a family. Speaking of priorities, um, at one time, well, basketball for you and I is like a big thing, and I think priority didn't do justice, doesn't do justice to what basketball was growing up and playing it and actively playing it um, through all the different stages of life. Nowadays, you, you and I both play at our age. I'm not going to you what that is. But we still play. You're still young. <laughs> You're very young. <laughs> we still play basketball. Um, I think playing is more of a priority now than uh, the whole game of basketball. We, we watch the NBA, talk the NBA 24-7 and all that. Argue about... Uh, Results and championships and all that. I mean, part of the journey uh, taking us thus far and to get to a point where we're playing basketball. We play not as much, not nearly enough, obviously, because priorities are this. But how does something that you love? Watching the NBA, watching the Euro, being able to play, even when you move to Africa, you're able 
what's that been like for you? Because um, I, I mean, I've had withdrawal symptoms for a while with the NBA, particularly watching it and all that. And um, to get to a point where I'm comfortable with just getting the result and all that. Um, before I get to the NBA, once again, I have to, I have to go back uh, to my wife. Yeah. And in my relationships, even in my past relationships, I always made it very clear, and this is advice for the, for, for the youngsters going into relationships. When you have something that uh, you are extremely passionate about, you have to make it clear that, no, this is a huge part of your life. And, of course, I explained it to my wife. That, no, basketball, honey, was here before you. And whether this works out or not, it will be here after you. So, so she's extremely understanding. She's extremely supportive of me working out three, four, five, five times a week. Uh, get my basketball fix on the weekend. So I'm forever grateful. Baby, I love you. <laughs> but basketball was here before you. So I had to get that off my chest. Um, I was, I was, basketball's been a, a refuge for me. Okay, growing up, having, uh, having it tough, that, tough at home. If you wanted to find me, Growing up, you find me at the basketball court. Yeah. So to put it plainly, it was my refuge. I was fortunate enough to to play pro, semi-pro. You can't even call it pro compared to NBA. Mm. Uh, from the age of uh, 16, uh, and uh, I, had a, I had a bad back injury when I was about 21, which I thought was going to cut my uh, my basketball days short. But uh, I pushed through it. Took me several years to figure it out, to to sort of uh, fix my back myself or manage it in a way where, with a correct approach, I can still play. Though I'm forty plus, <laughs> I can still play once or twice a week if I want it's to. It's not once or twice a week, bro. No, but it comes with a lot of a lot of work. You know, you have to you have to do some cardio. You have to do some uh, core exercises. In my case, yeah. a lot of stretching. Uh, I do ice baths and whatnot, yeah. just to just just to just to be able to push. Because uh, my idea is to squeeze as much out of his body as possible before I drop. And it comes in conjunction with our with our with our approach of uh, raising kids. I want to be there fully able-bodied for my son, so I can't say no. I'm tired. I can't do this, or no, I don't feel like doing it. I have to I have to keep at a certain fitness level to be able to not uh, enjoy these uh, moments yeah. with my son. So, 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 so that sort of go uh, uh, go hand, hand in hand for me. Yeah, because there are only two people I know 
serious about fitness level in terms of, uh, and they love basketball as well. It's you and my brother. Like, he will do cross training, he runs. You and him, like, run probably. I, I run, but I, I think I'm not like a running junkie. Like, I can do uh, three times a week and all that. But I will not prioritize that because I work on my body differently. But the only two people that I know who work out and prioritize their fitness in a way that um, prepares them and in conjunction with basketball. My brother does play basketball, we play basketball with him from when we were young and with our teens and all that. But he's never, he's much more serious now with basketball. Yeah, Ralph is now serious. He runs literally the whole week and due to every time I talk to you it's about like you run. But then this is so important because it's not just you're preparing your body to play, but it's also preparing your body to be able to deal with the many things that you're dealing with that like being a father is a physically demanding job. Especially when you are a father to young toddlers going into uh, the youth age, you they will be running about, they will want to be active and all that, and it's it's preparing yourself to be able to play, but not only play basketball, but play with. So it's really important to have like your cardio and your um, fitness to be there. I prepare my body differently, especially after my. Surgery. <laughs> I do run, but uh, I know my body is too old. But yeah, you you were talking about um, how basketball is the first love and how you played it and your back injury. Uh, and tell me your love about uh, with the NBA for the weekend. And I know somebody who's ultimately your favorite player growing up and he's retired and all that. But I just want to know like how did you jump on the bandwagon of the NBA back in the day and, and what's that transition to where we are now? I mean, I mean growing, growing up, I, every child, every kid, every youngster So, so, so you, 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 you sort of dream about that, and very few uh, reach reach that point. But um, uh, obviously, the the retired player, the favorite uh, of mine is Andrew Michael Jordan, and uh, uh, there's no discussion, by the way. There's no LeBron and all these things. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I'm, as I as I get older, I I I watch NBA less and less. It's uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate playing. The more the more I value the the the, the marginal improvements or the the ability to stay at certain level. And still, still go out there and cook youngsters half my age. <laughs> so, so what 
watching NBA, it's not, it's not really uh, uh, on a daily menu. You might, you might wake up early and, uh, and the West Coast game is on, so you yeah. catch the uh, last five minutes of a, of a fourth quarter or something like that. But unless it's playoff, I wouldn't go out of my way to, to wake up and, uh, and, and seek, it, seek it out. So I don't know if that's, a, that's the answer you, you were looking for, but yeah, there it is. Yeah, because I mean, my idea of this is like the love I had for basketball and the obsession, I still do have that obsession more about playing it than was was just so much. I mean, even if you look at us five years ago, you know, um, talking about the NBA, um, getting stressed about what's happening in the playoffs and all that, to get to a point where, what's a by the way, and what generally is almost all sport for us, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal coming from people who love basketball. And in a way, it kind of reminds me that if, if the love to watch it is waning, some point it's coming to terms with the fact that one day we'll not be able to play as we do. Uh, I don't know what one day, like, I, I suppose it's death, right? <laughs> Right now, like this, 
story that since we have plenty of time <laughs> um, with my back injury um, I wasn't able to do any physical activity for about six months so I put a lot of weight on then I left for, for Australia and I was sort of just chasing the dollar chasing the dream of making more money and uh, neglecting my scary moment but I still couldn't figure it out how to how to get rid of it. I was still keeping active, I was still working out, I was still playing basketball believe me or not mm. at, 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 at those weights. And uh, eventually I was working on a, on a project with a gentleman from Iran and he was a hardcore beat. I went and 
and I went onto the plant-based diet. I watched some fork over knives documentaries, some other documentaries, but the fork over knives and knives is the one I remember. So I tried literally cold turkey. Now in the first week I lost 10 kgs. I could not believe it. In the first month I lost 15 kgs. And in the six months I lost 30, 31, 32 kgs or thereabouts. And it was literally effortless. So all these years I've been trying to figure out how to, how to get uh, back in reasonable, uh, reasonable shape. And it was all in, uh, in diet. You know? It was all in what you put in your mouth. So, so since then I, 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 I haven't really tampered with it. It's, I just... I just Stuck with it, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure the next question is uh, the sort of transition. Uh, I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm not I'm not preaching it. When we met, I was really excited about it. When I was talking to you about it, because it really changed my life. It, I can say it, it saved my life, and uh, it's not for everyone. Everyone's body operates differently, but I would encourage everyone to at least give it a try for, for a month or so. It is not hard in my opinion. I don't think it's hard, but it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient if you want to go to a social events or a restaurant or you want to visit someone. It's, 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 it's inconvenient for, for, for those other parties if you want to order in a restaurant, it, it takes a little bit of navigating. Yeah. And who really wants to go through that on day-to-day day-to-day places? No, I can't have this, I can't have that. It's 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 a little bit restrictive. It is, and and I, I think you're right when you say it's inconvenient for a lot of other people because you can't eat out. Like I literally just don't eat out. out. No matter how you can find a way around it. First, you people think you're snobbish about it, and, but it's, it's over time. Um, like in my family, I got acceptance of it, but it's still hard for But one thing that for me was huge was I got to know different ways of preparing food. Enjoys that that side of, of the 
delicious because there's an, another world you know, and part of it was was your wife like your relationship with the food guys it's just like no I I want to enjoy this but it's exciting and, <laughs> and that's what, was that part of the journey in Thailand was that I told you people my wife is amazing once again <laughs> I have to give her a shout out yeah she's an amazing cook Did Please do not forget to mention the deep fried mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually that's actually one of my favorite dishes from Benon. Yeah. We, we, we do the deep fried mushrooms in Benon. So so she's an amazing cook. When we went to Thailand a couple of times, we did uh, cooking lessons. So she can literally cook uh, uh, authentic curry from the local ingredients. And uh, I dare say it's a restaurant quality. It's extremely difficult to to spot the to spot the difference. So so once again, baby, I love you. You're the best. <laughs> Shoutouts and uh, all the all the big ups uh, to you. So uh, you're paying your dues for sure. Yes, yes, yes to be done. <laughs> no commercial. This is commercial free, by the way. We have to pay our dues for our airtime. She's not paying for it. She's not paying for it. Yeah. Often, I'm sure, often she she feels uh, underappreciated. <laughs> but no, I do appreciate her in many, many ways. Wow, this conversation was so good and long that we had to split it into two parts. And in part two, Pete talks more about the plant-based diet, homeschooling, and the origin of the Pretender podcast and his contribution to it. Please look out for part two and hear more of Pete's intriguing experiences and story. Thanks for listening. This is the Pretender podcast. I'm out. Ina indeshwa na Afripods.